Jesus Christ has impacted our world more than any individual in all of history. I think it is hard to argue with that claim. 2,000 years on, down through the centuries and across the continents, people have listened and agreed with his moral teaching. In terms of countries and cultures, he has impacted the areas of music, of the arts and literature like no other individual. And he has had billions of followers. And it is for that reason that we've been looking at Matthew's Gospel, a series from Matthew's Gospel. And in the section that we've been covering recently, the question that we've been coming to again and again is, who is Jesus? And connected to that tonight, we are still trying to see who is Jesus. Is he the one with the authority to forgive our sins. Because if he is the one who has authority to forgive our sins, then he alone is the one who can take us into heaven. We're going to pause for a moment. I'm going to pray and lead us in a prayer for God's help. Let's do that. Father, please, would you give us help tonight to hear your voice as we listen to your word and to see with clarity who Jesus is, that he is the one with authority on earth to forgive our sins. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come back to Matthew's Gospel. If you've closed the Bibles, it's page 973. Matthew chapter 9, if you like to take notes, there's a sheet here with some space to do so. And in our series, we have seen in this section um, many responses from people to Jesus. If you glance back to the end of chapter 8, to chapter 8 and verse 34, you'll see how that section finishes with a whole town pleading for Jesus to leave their region. They want nothing to do with him. And he, he moves on. He will not force himself on anyone. He, he will not stay where he is not wanted. And so he moves on and we read at the start of chapter 9 that he is coming back to his hometown. Not Bethlehem where he was born, not Nazareth where he grew up, but Capernaum where he based himself for his ministry. How then will he be received? And in this short extract we see that it's a mixed reception. Chapter 9 verse 1, let me read, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. It's quite a bizarre thing for Jesus to say. There was this paralyzed man lying on a mat, and there was Jesus saying to him, your sins are forgiven. Imagine for a moment being in a car accident and being taken 
to the Royal Free, our local hospital, and there you go straight into A&E with a really bad head injury. And you're there before the doctor, and the doctor starts his examination and, and moves to the other end of the bed and starts to look at your broken toe. And you start to think, what is going on? Has Jesus here completely missed the point? The man is paralyzed. It's my legs. They don't work. He is lying on the mat before Jesus. Stop just for a second and try and think about this man's life. What it would have been like. In a word, stuck. As he is utterly dependent on the help of others for anything. As he watches others getting on with living their lives. And just wishes that things were different. It impacts Life, relationships, being able to earn a living, worship. He is dependent on others. He is desperate. He is feeling discontented constantly. It is hard maybe to think about his situation, but surely it is easy for most of us tonight to taste and to know and to to share some of those things that perhaps I've just mentioned, where in life we feel to some extent stuck. And there is something major which we just keep coming back to, we can't get away from. You see, this man, he came to Jesus with paralysis, and Jesus addressed his need for the forgiveness of sins. Why? He says your sins are forgiven. In effect, Jesus is saying, you have a greater problem than paralysis. And I have dealt with it. Your sins are forgiven. A couple of centuries ago, there was a famous preacher by the name of Roland Hill. And he was preaching to an open-air crowd in uh, Wapping in East London. And as he was building towards the end of his sermon, talking about how Christ Jesus had come into the world to save sinners, he said, Jesus came to save sinners, all types of sinners, All categories of sinners, all sorts of sinners, even whopping sinners. The greatest of sinners. I wonder if we stop for a moment and just think about what was said to this paralyzed man about his sin. If that was said to us, how would we respond? Because there's a danger that we might think we don't have this problem. There is no such thing as sin in my life. Or we could go the other way tonight and think, my sin is too great. I'm the only person who has the problem of sin. Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven. 
The man wouldn't have been offended, I don't think. He would have been very aware that he was a sinner, that he had failed to love God, that he had failed to love his fellow man. He wouldn't have claimed to be perfect. But he came to Jesus. Paralysis was his concern. And yet Jesus, for Jesus, the clear priority is the man's spiritual health. Why? Because his spiritual health affects his eternal state. That's why Jesus says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. That is Jesus' priority. I wonder tonight as we see this, hear this statement of Jesus, what do we think is our biggest problem, our biggest need in life? The biggest need for our loved ones, our nearest and dearest, for those round about us. When we, when we pray or when we cry, what is the cause of those prayers or the content of those prayers or those cries? Our felt needs or the physical needs that we have may be great, but they will never be as great as our need for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus addresses this man in this way because this man, like any natural sinful human being, needed his sins to be forgiven. And when Jesus said this, it caused tremendous upset, this claim. We're going to look at, at verses 3 to 7 and see how he upset some of his hearers. Verse 3, at this some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. The teachers of the law, the religious experts of the day, blasphemy is the charge that Jesus was saying that he was God, equal with God. Now, it's worth saying that these religious leaders, these experts, they wouldn't have a problem with the idea of sins being forgiven. The Old Testament, which they knew well, was very clear on that being possible. But you had to go to Jerusalem. You had to make a journey to the temple. You had to take an offering. There had to be a sacrifice, a priest, and blood for sins to be forgiven. And that's not clearly what's happening here. In the parallel passage in Mark's account, Mark records that they said, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the logic for them is, if God alone can forgive sins, what is this man Jesus up to? Who, who on earth does he think he is? Does he think he's God? Either he's claiming to be God, or he's guilty of blasphemy. 
And clearly we can see that he's only a man. Therefore, he's guilty. And their Old Testament law tells them that someone guilty of blasphemy should be stoned, should be put to death. And of course, if we follow the story that Matthew tells us, chapter by chapter, that is exactly how things will unfold. That Jesus will be put on trial and the charge will be blasphemy and then he will go to the cross and die. With people saying he's only a man, guilty. Sounds like checkmate. And then verse 4. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? Now, there's two things here. Which is easier? Well, the first we might say is easier because to say your sins are forgiven there's no way of proving that and if you say the second rise get up and walk well prove it it can be checked so verse 6 but so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins then he said to the paralytic get up take your mat and go home And the man got up and went home. Jesus did one miracle to prove that he had done the other miracle. Jesus healed the man physically to prove that he had forgiven the man's sins. We must not miss the point of this miracle. We we can read it again. It says in verse 6, Why did Jesus do it? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. You see, the miracle proves both that the man's sins are forgiven and also it proves the authority of Jesus as the forgiver. He does the miracle so that we can have confidence about who he is. Now, it's always nice if you are being taught something or given lessons, being instructed to see your teacher being able to demonstrate and do what they claim to be an authority in. So, If you are having ballet lessons, didn't think that was the one I was going to choose first, ballet lessons, or guitar lessons, or tennis lessons, or skiing lessons, it is wonderful when your instructor can demonstrate and show and prove their authority in this subject, in this sport. Because it gives us great confidence that they are the authority, that they are worth listening to. And with this miracle, Jesus is giving us confidence.
confidence that he is the one with authority to forgive sins. It helps us so that we can be confident that Jesus is who he claims to be, God's king on earth with the authority to forgive our sins. Now the response of those there in verse 8 was to give praise to God. This sounds like a marvellous response. But just flick over the page to chapter 11 and to see what Jesus says about the people of Capernaum. Chapter 11 and verse 23. Jesus says, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So Capernaum, where he was praised for doing miracles, was then warned because they didn't go far enough in their response to Jesus. You see, praising Jesus is not enough. The crowds here praised Jesus, but they didn't follow him. By chapter 11, we're told that they hadn't gone anywhere with Jesus. You've got to keep going. You've got to make a start with Jesus. You've got to follow him. Here in these verses... In chapter 9, he tells us that our biggest need is for our sins to be forgiven. And what he will show as he goes on in Matthew's gospel through the chapters is that this is his biggest priority. Big enough for him to die to meet the need by going to the cross. He will go to the cross and there he will offer himself as a sacrifice as an offering there will be blood on the cross his blood shed so that anyone who follows him can have their sins forgiven if we come to Jesus I cannot make the promise That we will have all of our physical needs met by him. That we will be healed like this man was. But what we can say, because of what Matthew tells us, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, his life, death and resurrection, is that if anyone comes to Jesus, like this man on the mat, helpless, And saying to Jesus that I need your help. Then that person can have their sins forgiven. That is what we are learning here in these verses. 
That's what Jesus calls us to do in response. He calls us to come to him, to bring others to him, to come to him ourselves. To keep going, to keep going through these chapters of Matthew, to keep finding out more. Stick with Jesus. If you've already done that, then hear the words that Jesus spoke to the paralytic. He said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. This is our greatest need. Now, whatever else is happening in life just now, this is what we do have because of Jesus. Sins forgiven. Famous preacher Spurgeon said, This brings joy to the saddest soul. To know that our sins are forgiven. So whatever you might be facing in life, whether it's exams that are coming this week, if you're following Jesus, your sins are forgiven And that is what matters most. Now this morning when I said that, I had to clarify that I don't mean you stop studying. You still have to study, the preacher said. You still have to study. But what matters most is dealt with. And you can trust Jesus for the rest. And so whatever we are facing, whether it's illness or suffering, whether it's heartache, whether it's singleness, whether it's uncertainty, upheaval, if we are trusting and following Jesus, our sins are forgiven. That's what matters most. And we can trust him for the rest. Let me pray. Father, please, would you give us eyes to see clearly that Jesus is the one with authority to forgive sins. Please, would you give us confidence in him to come to him? Please, would you give us hearts that would grow in readiness to trust him, that he is the one who deals with our sins And he is the one who we can trust for all of life. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.